too, a little too quiet. It's the Ferndale Library Podcast, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. Today we're talking to one of the co-founders of Go Comedy. Go Comedy is an award-winning improv theater that opened in 2008 right across the street from this library. And not only are they our neighbors, but they've been very amicable neighbors as they have collaborated on annual library programs and events over the years, while we have, in turn, offered our space for their rehearsals on occasion. But of course, you are in for another conversation centering around just how surreal life can be in a post-pandemic world, especially when you are in the arts and entertainment industry, and especially when you are in the small business community. We're talking to PJ Jacobs, and he'll be joining us in one moment. He is the co-founder, along with a team of artists and entrepreneurs that include Tommy LeBroy, Chris D'Angelo, and Gerald Knight, the founders of Go Comedy, the improv theater on Nine Mile here in Ferndale, repurposed the former Secretary of State office and outfitted itself to attain a sleek but modest sort of nightclub auditorium space with a bar and a stage and lights and a sound system, and has featured some of the best and brightest talents in the art of improv comedy, along with hosting several popular series and original shows. So, the location is library. The subject is improv. The scenario is a podcast. Improv. PJ Jacobs is an actor and writer who, along with improv comedy, has also written and starred in short films and television series. PJ is also a frequent library patron. Here is our chat. And I can ask you uh, to tell us how and when did Go Comedy start? Open. That sounds like a, a, a sounds like a daunting achievement to open up a theater. I, you know, it never occurred to me that it was. Um, <laughs> uh, it just seemed like the right thing to do, so we did it. We opened uh, in November of 2008. Mm-hmm. Started the company in uh, December of 20, uh, 2007, uh, and then we found our space at Nine Mile, and it took us about about 11 months to get everything changed from a secretary of state into a theater and everyone, you know, coached up for what we were going to do and hiring staff and all that good stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, we opened just in time for the big three to crash. <laughs> uh, but norm- normally they say during, uh, times of great strife that bars and theaters do best. Yeah. Uh, so the first, the first strife we did, you know, we had a lot of energy when we opened Ferndale was really good to us. We got, good press like it was a very um comfortable opening experience yeah and obviously now that the world is in great strife we can't do bars or theaters so it's uh right (laughs) but uh but yeah so in a nutshell that's how how we started yeah was it kind of i guess uh, bolstering in a way to sort of be in a team of three or four people rather than just you taking on the world yeah, I mean, I you know, as an improviser, it's such a team sport that I, I I always do best when I've got people to bounce things off of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you're our neighbor, uh, right yeah. across the street from the Ferndale Library. And I also want to say, as a lifelong Ferndale resident, personally, Ferndale started to seem like it really got hip and uh, a veritable hotspot right after you started. I think it's not a coincidence. <laughs> You know, I, uh, as a bunch of comedy nerds, uh, we're not usually credited for much hip, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> so let's talk about, I guess, early, early moments and er- some formative early moments for you. Uh, you know, improvising comes naturally to you. What about uh, 
the inherent, let's say, you know, nerves or anxiety that might come with starting up a, a business like this? What was it like? Uh, what, what would, uh, what would wind up being like sort of key, do you think, to your, to your sustainability for 12 years? Well, I, there's a lot, lot to unpack in that. I, yeah. uh, I would argue that uh, improv didn't come naturally to me. Um, that when I, first got, when I first got started, I was actually in a band mm-hmm. and I hated being on stage. Uh, so I took an improv class to kind of like loosen up because I was just so tightly wound. Oh, cool. um, and when I uh, took classes at Second City when it was still downtown uh, and very quickly fell in love with it. But I mean, off, off stage, I am, I am very shy and pretty quiet. And then on stage, there's a, I don't know, a switch. So it's, a, it's certainly a shift between who I am normally to who I am on stage. But I couldn't help uh, tying like improvising to business owner because you have to improvise in both realms. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I For the first, I don't know, eight, eight years that we were open, I, I would say that I was just an actor playing a businessman um, <laughs> and, you know, figured a lot of it out on the fly. Went before city council and read everything I needed to read to have, you know, our case ready to go. And so there's a lot of, you know, just, you know, improv is very good at building confidence and sort of giving you the, the feeling that you can you can handle what life throws at you. Mm-hmm. And I think going into it, that certainly helped, right? There were any, any, and we didn't have any like major catastrophes when we were opening, but anything that, that we didn't expect, uh, it's sort of in my training to, you know, figure out how to make it work and, and move on if I have to. And mm-hmm. so that, you know, having an improv background certainly helped me be more comfortable for all of the unknowns of opening a business. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't have a business background of any kind. I was, you know, just a, a goofy idiot mm-hmm. who uh, people seem to like. So uh, <laughs> I got, uh, enough people together, to, you know, to, to open the theater and, and just, you know, kept trusting that I could either figure it out or I could, you know, find find someone that that could uh, when I couldn't. Yeah. But, but you said you were in a punk rock band and that is sort of the original DIY. Hey, I could do that sort of ethos. Oh, Jeff, bless, bless you for thinking I was in a punk band. We, we were basically bare naked ladies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you said punk. So maybe we'll just improvise oh, and go with punk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, uh, a lot of, a lot of punk sensibilities in the bass playing, sure. uh, but, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a, sort of a goofy rock band. Um, okay. nothing wrong but, with that. Um, no, 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 we, we did all right. All right, good. <laughs> good. And sort of randomly full circle. Now that the theater is closed, the guys that I was in the band with, they run an open mic in Chicago, which is online now. So I'm actually getting to, to play with them again for the first time in oh, man, a really long time. So that's been kind of kind of cool to, to dust off the guitar for a little bit while everything else is on hold. That is awesome. Yeah. I'm glad yeah, to hear that. Fun. Yeah. Uh, some silver linings here every once yes, in a while. Yeah, we find um, them. Earlier in this podcast, I uh, clumsily set up a question by saying that improv comes naturally to you. My, my <laughs> next question is... Does improv come natural to anybody? Now we move on to the the big question: what the what is improv? And 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 you know, I guess once you got into it, what were there? Did you have comedy influences? Let's let's get into that. Sure. So I mean, in in a nutshell, improv is theater that's made up on the spot without any kind of script or game plan. You know, sometimes uh, if it's short form improv, it'll be a set list of what games get played. But other than that, it's always entirely made up on the spot. And a surprising number of people don't believe it, that that it is made up. But for as many things as we put up every week, it'd be physically impossible to rehearse that much, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is always kind of what I go to. But um, it's like they're cynical of you. They, they think you're doing a magic trick. It can't be real. Yeah. Clearly, well, I had one woman come up to me one time and was like, 
I did improv in college, so I know that it's fake. And I was like, oh, oh now well, then get- you didn't you didn't do improv in college. <laughs> now we're getting into like professional wrestling realm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's always got to be a secret. Um, um, no, and, and your influences, too. Did you have comedy influences? I guess uh, kids in the hall uh, were certainly uh, I mean, as early as I remember. And then having getting to have Kevin McDonald come to the theater a couple times has been just, I mean, just one of those, you know, my 15 year old self still doesn't totally believe it, but getting like, he's been to the theater a couple of times and I got to play with him, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I remember I, I didn't watch a ton of it, but the state it was, it just sort of hit me at the right, right moment. Um, when I was a kid, um, listeners at home might've seen a movie called wet hot American summer. It's basically, yes. basically those people. Yep. And uh, my dad was really, you know, was really keen on my Monty Python education. So, you know, I kind of every all of my influences kind of come from people from incredibly smart people doing incredibly stupid things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Martin is another like Steve Martin has, has sort of always been my icon as far as, you know, he was uh, he was into philosophy and putting an arrow through his head. He you know wrote plays and painted like he kind of he really was. He really is a renaissance man. And I've always respected that the ability to sort of shift between mediums in a way and, and be good at and be good at most of them. I can't speak to his painting, but right. Or his yeah. banjo playing. Um, <laughs> now, uh, he's an incredible banjoist. Now, the stand up comedians and, and improv artists, their their brains must be wired differently. Right. Entirely. Yeah. Oh, entirely. I mean. Uh, improv is such a team sport. You really like you don't you come together to create it. Stand up is is so such a solo endeavor that you know hours spent writing and, and craft hopefully crafting material and it's a, it's such a different process that it's it's usually very hard for stand ups to shift to improv. Mm-hmm. Not not for all of them, but just it's there's a, it's just a different it's just a different mindset you know stand up is golf and improv is baseball uh, yeah. it's just you know you're fending for yourself I, I, and i feel like stand ups tend to have a thicker a thicker suit of armor either that's how they got there or just from the you know going out on the road and it not always going well whereas improvisers you know you're up there with at least one other person up to you know however many so there's always someone who's got your back you know, fail, failing is part of improv like mm-hmm. just it's a lot of shots on goals and so you know something tanks that's kind of okay and, and you figure out how to make it work or you move on and uh, and stand up that kind of stuff is death or, or so it seems i don't i don't i mean i don't have i've worked with them with stand-ups over time but i, I don't i never do, have done stand up it's a very different beast for me yeah sometimes i'll go to a show at co-comedy and i will enjoy because there's of course the actors who are on stage are the epitome of frenetic there's just ideas exploding all over lines and and just yeah. they're trying things and sometimes i'll enjoy it the most when a line doesn't get a laugh because i'm like oh they're just there's just they're just so brave like I, yeah. you know what i mean they're mm-hmm. just they're they're up there and they're responding under pressure and you know they gave it a try you know it's, it's encouraging yeah, it is and I, you know it's funny because i i look at improv a lot as a life philosophy as much as anything. It's about listening. It's about taking care of each other. It's about being positive. You know, I mean, the, the, the base idea of improv is I've got your back, you've got mine, let's go do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can take that off of stage and into the, the real world, it's a pretty decent way to live your life. It's not, you know, the comedy is sort of the byproduct of what we do. Like if you're, if you're, if you're listening and supporting and in the moment, funny things happen on stage. Yeah. But if you're trying to be funny, uh, you know, some of the, some of those lines that don't work are sometimes when someone's like, ha this is going to be great. Uh, and then, you know, 
uh, you drop a pile. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> And that makes me think of how, and I can't be alone in thinking this, that the the moments that are the most funny, funniest uh, moments in a scenario like Saturday Night Live is when something is too funny and the cast breaks. And that is, that feels like an improv moment because if someone is really succeeding in improv, it's just that because something probably ridiculous was just came out of their head and and kind of everyone, you just see everyone on stage kind of losing it too. I love those moments. I just yeah, well, I, people people enjoy watching people have fun. It's yeah. what sports is. It's what I mean, like, and and it's sort of that you know, and when and when you lean too heavily into breaking each other, it, it's sloppy and it loses it. But when you're trying, you, you know, to put on a great show and those moments catch you off guard, it's special. Like it's yeah. it, it really is something special for the audience and and the people on stage. Like when you know, there are certain points of improv where. As corny as it sounds, sometimes you're just a vessel and you don't know what you're saying and you don't know what's happening. And when you really can let yourself go to that level, um, I mean, truly inspired things come out of it like like nothing you'll ever see before. Yeah. And it's it's all about being there. Like the improv show is as much the audience as it is the actors because they give the suggestions. They, you know, lead the way. And I think it's part of why improv so tragically fails on film. There is good improv that has been filmed, but for the most part, um, a lot like whose line is it anyway? I mean, the hours that they shoot to get a 30 minute show is ridiculous. And it's just there's something about the magic of saying, you know, I said Spider-Man. Oh, my God. Spider-Man's on stage. This is this is our creation. And now we've built this together. Right. And that. And kind of like going way back to your first question, improv is very much about community. Yeah. Um, the, you know, audience, like, the audience is on the team. Yeah. It's all of us together. It's all, you know, let's, it's all of us together. Let's build this thing. Um, and I think that part of the reason I really, I never doubted when we opened was because the improv community was so strong. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's only grown, you know, in the 10 years that we've been doing it. But, you know, uh, with our classes and stuff, I mean, there's, there's literally thousands of people around Metro Detroit who have been trained to have each other's back and listen and take care of each other. And so the, as the community builds, it, it gives me faith in what we're doing. And, you know, even and, and with the shutdown for however long it might last, I, you know, as long as our landlord doesn't bail, you know, our, the community will come right back together. Like yeah. I, I have no doubts in that, you know, that people just want to see friends and puts on, put on shows and, you know, whenever, whenever we get to again, it will be, it will be glorious. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is that you guys do the workshops and improv seems like to me or anyone in the audience, it might seem daunting. The The stage fright things maybe yeah. really kicks in for a lot of people and just being silly in front of people. But I can't imagine that you can really teach someone how to you know, do an impression or you can't really teach someone to do a punchline. But Go Comedy can technically teach people how to do improv. Not that you have to reveal all your secrets, but are there a few key things that you share with you know uh, learners right off the bat? One of the first things that, that comes to mind is the this we are all improvisers it's 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 not it's not like and it's not like doing an impression i can't do an impression to save my life when those games come up i, right. I still I get, i'm a wreck because i can't like once i tried to do hugh grant and he wasn't even british and like <laughs> uh <laughs> we all have our strong skills right. uh, <laughs> but um improv is just make-believe it's just it's just it, when you're a kid and there's a dinosaur it's literally the same. Like kids don't question whether the dinosaur is real. They don't, yeah. you know, they don't question whether the bad guys, the bad guys are coming. Like you right. go play. 
And a big part of why I love teaching improv is that it's teaching adults to think like kids again. There's a, there's a freedom to it of running around in the backyard that I think so many people lose from their life. I mean, the sense of play is something that is so important and so many people just stop doing it. Yeah. And so with that, you know, when we teach improv classes, part of it is just, you know, let go, have fun, be silly. You know, it's 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 okay to look like an idiot because it's what we're all doing right now. Um, and it helps people let go of their walls and, you know, helps build their self-esteem and sort of, the, so, so now coming back to the question, you know, the sort of the core, the core concept of improv is the idea of yes and. Mm-hmm. Um, you offer an idea, you know, the house is on fire. I say yes, and we should probably run out of it, mm-hmm. right? So any idea that you give me is a great idea and I'm, I'm going to build on it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's, you know, they say there's no bad ideas, but it's true. Like if whatever you give me, I'm going to do my best to make look good and, and, and then build on it. So it's about accepting ideas. Uh, not, it's not about my idea. It's, you know, uh, we talk a lot about the idea of surrender. Yeah. Um, so if I want to, if I'm sure that we're on a boat and I want to be on a boat, but my partner says that we're in a subway, then I, I surrender. I let, I let, you know, I don't try and force a boat back in because you can feel when that happens. Like right now, your idea is the best idea and we're going to make the best of it we can. And more often than not, we're going to succeed if we're all, if we're all there to be positive and work together. Possibility is everywhere. Everywhere. It can be in the nope. boat, but it can also be possibilities also in the subway. Right. Um, but here's exactly. something, 12 years now, do you have some memorable moments? Because, you know, in a sketch comedy, the, the line is written down, the premise is so worked out. Maybe a sketch comic artist can say, oh, I remember that sketch I was in. Do you have memorable nights at Go? Um, it's an excellent question. Or does it all just uh, fall out of your head? For me, for me, so much of it disappears. Yeah. Uh, and someone will say like, oh, hey, I saw you do that thing. And, I, and I'll have literally no idea what they're talking about. Uh, once, once in a while, like years ago, I played a sexy black hole, uh, <laughs> just out there in the cosmos trying to get mine. And, uh, that was one that, that still, you know, my, my wife and I make jokes about it all the time. Because you weren't, uh, because you weren't attractive enough already. Well, I needed what I, I need what I can get. Oh, oh, wow. Oh yeah. Okay. I wasn't even ready for that. I'm going to uh, find a, a laugh sound effect for this podcast. <laughs> all right. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there certainly are comedy bits that I remember, but I mean, I, but for me, I, corny as it is, it's the people like it's the, you know, um, that the improv festival is always great because it brings people together from all over the, I wanted the country. to, I wanted to ask about that every August. Tell us yep. more. Uh, so the Detroit improv festival, uh, would have been celebrating 10 years this August, uh, but we'll do it next August. Um, it's always the weekend before the dream cruise so that we can shut down and get away, uh, <laughs> right. uh and, and earn, and earn it. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's been 10 years we've had, and we've had a lot of really great performers over the years. Um, I mean, I, having, having grown up or having started at Second City Detroit, you know, I'd know Keegan-Michael Key and Mark Evan Jackson and Tim Robinson and Sam Richards. Like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of really, really gifted improvisers from Detroit who went on to make a name, uh, which has been great and helpful for the festival, especially early on getting getting people to come to it. Um, mm-hmm. We've had Horatio Sands and Rachel Dratch. Um, Paul F. Tompkins has been here a number of years. And it's cool. Like, it's just a chance to, like, rub elbows with Comedy Elite and... Um, we have a really, we have a really good reputation for being a performers festival. Like we, yeah. we really go out of our way to make sure that the performers feel like stars when they're here, make them feel special for a couple of days. Cause it's not, the improv doesn't pay anything. Um, so, you know, they, 
paid money to fly here from wherever and put themselves up. So, you know, we always try and make it a real special, special fun weekend for it. Yeah. You're bringing in this uh, nationally and worldwide famous talent to Ferndale. It always makes me excited every time it happens. I'm like, man. Yeah. And it's cool. Almost every festival, there's a point where I'll be, you know, walking down the street and be like, oh, there's Paul F. Tompkins at the Emory. Like, right. Right. <laughs> like just, you know, as people spread out, it's just like, oh, there's that, that super famous guy just, you know. Having a pizza. Oh, yeah. I mean, as a big fa- a fan of uh, Kids in the Hall myself, I have Go Comedy to thank for just seeing Kevin McDonald at my coffee shop. Just yeah. coffee. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> you, you you might have touched on the what becomes the answer to my next question is your memory is the people. And, and you know, I was going to ask you because it can't not come up is what's been the hardest thing about you know, being a, an improv theater in, in, in a pandemic situation. And, and have you guys tried any, any virtual events? Yeah. I mean, the, the hardest, the hardest part is that we are an industry that is based on coming together to take care of each other. And we can't, you know, we've, there's been a lot of uh, fundraisers. We've had, you know, a, a lot of uh, performers have, have gone out of their way to, you know, help put up, put shows together and fundraisers together and different things online. But it's, I mean, we, I, so I started improv in January of 1997. Uh, I don't know that I have been away for it for more than five. I mean, other than my honeymoon, uh, you know, right. more than a week in right. in that time. Uh, so to go five months without it is it's weird. I mean, it's part of my life force. Uh, is is <laughs> strange as that is to say. And I think that yeah, I mean, we we when there's a problem, I mean, we come together and we handle it. So it's very it's very weird to not be coming together to handle it. Um, but then, but then everyone came together in their own ways to, you know, help us get through this. And yeah, we've, I mean, we've done, we've been doing virtual workshops. We did our first virtual show last Friday, um, which is a date night, which was a, um, a dating show that we used to do on stage that we were figuring out online. Uh, it went well Friday, but I think we figured out, you know, a couple of things that we need to make it better when we do it again. But it's hard. It's, I mean, both the workshops and the shows are tricky because, it's all Zoom. Right. Anyone that has a, a job that involves Zoom does not, it doesn't matter how funny we are, if they're staring at six boxes after staring at six boxes all day. You know, it's it's sort of the only medium right now. Uh, so that's been tricky. I mean, I when we, so we closed March 13th. Mm-hmm. Same um, with us. And I, I pretty much, I mean, it's kind of been, I, I have always expected that we won't be back until March of next year. Okay. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows at that point? But just the way things are going, it's difficult because I mean, it, it was social distancing in a small black box theater. You know, our tickets would have to be a hundred dollars a pop to get, and you know, that's just not fun. It's not what we're about. So, right. kind of have always been approaching it from the. Uh, I keep calling it Voldemorting, where we, we boil us down into an essence that exists in the back of my head, and then we spring <laughs> forth stronger on the other side of this. Uh, so. See if that works out. You know your audience. Library people are going to get that. They're going to get that. Let's talk about something a little more positive, and, and, and let's talk about library. I see you in the library, or in the normal times, I would see you in the library at least once a week, just being a patron, yeah. getting something. And something that was also very awesome that we were able to do is we partnered with Go, and you guys would you guys would make shows based around a book, which might sound... Uh, daunting for an improv artist. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Oh, those, those were super fun to do. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, Ferndale, Ferndale Reads. Started off as the big read, uh, became Ferndale Reads. Uh, and so, yeah, whatever book 
whatever book we would get from you, uh, I would pick a director to to read it, and then um, you know use use the the essence of the book as a suggestion, basically. So it was, we were never really like performing the book, but depending on what the theme of the book was, you know, we, and, and you guys did a really good job of picking some really unfunny books. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, we didn't keep you in mind at all when we made those choices, did we? No, no. <laughs> um, it was, it was one about the Holocaust. There was one about mm-hmm. the family who like, whose aunt killed everyone. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, the one I did was about a teenage boy been murdered. Like, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Nah, it's all right. We found it. We found it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I always uh, th- those shows were really great because it, it forced us to kind of you know push past you know a lot of what we do is frivolous like I, you know obviously I, I believe in it but improv is so disposable you know it's it's pop it's a popcorn movie um, for the most part you know the next day you're not thinking about the themes uh, so these doing these shows with you guys was great because it really did force us to put up some some adult shows that mm-hmm. you know and and finding the light and the darkness which is i mean kind of what we're here for so yeah uh, it was, uh, yeah it was it was really really fun to do and you know and you know netflix notwithstanding i'm pretty sure we were the first version of bird box uh <laughs> to go up so i think you are correct sir yeah. you are the first ones to adapt to bird box long yeah. before. so uh take that sandra bullet take that, <laughs> take that global sensation uh <laughs> but but to to your credit, the author of that book, Josh Marlin, was at every show. Every he was awesome. Show. So he, he was awesome. Yeah, and, it, was, it was very cool. Yeah, and I think that just to end on one last positive note is that it's been good to be your neighbor because one time we were going to have a summer concert series in our outdoor courtyard and rain was in the forecast and you were able to offer your space for our library audience, which was super endearing. And we moved the show inside there. We loved that. But then also we've had our space open for your rehearsal times, which was great. So yeah. Oh, it's been awesome. We've been buddies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's nice. I miss you guys. <laughs> and yeah. And you're a good library user. You're here pretty often. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple that are way overdue, but uh, hopefully you'll uh, forgive me. <laughs> Those will be forgiven considering the, the uh, unprecedented, quote unquote, global yes. circumstances. Um, <laughs> PJ, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, man. This, this has been lovely. And uh, sometime in the very near future, I'm sure our buildings will be collaborating again. Yes. Good to see you. I look forward to it. And that was PJ Jacobs, improv artist, writer, actor, co-founder of Go Comedy which is located right across the street from this library in downtown Ferndale on Nine Mile. But right now they're doing virtual events and virtual workshops, which you can find out more information about at gocomedy.net. This is A Little Too Quiet. I'm Jeff Milo. This podcast is brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. And if you want to support this podcast, you can visit their website, ferndalefriends.org. You can also like, subscribe, leave some comments, tell some friends. This is a library podcast. We call it a little too quiet.